with traditional bonds, you have to go through the traditional channels. And much like a bank, there are tons of fees involved with all these counterparties and uh, organizations that facilitate these bond raises. And also, the places you can trade them on are very limited as well. But doing it on liquid, you would allow for direct peer-to-peer trading. Uh, you could have self-custody, and that's a restoration of uh, something like a bearer bond, which has been destroyed. Right? People don't want those anymore. The people in power and the legacy system don't want bearer bonds because that means they can't surveil. Coming from venture capital, which is broken, and the CEO of Digitals and a former investment banker, we realize that everything is broken. All. Uh, aspects of the capital formation life cycle of the issuer, but then the access points for the investor, which means everyone. Everyone in the world, in my opinion, is an investment buyer. We have some sellers, some issuers, some businesses, some product uh, manufacturers, but everyone is a buyer and everyone should be given a chance to buy. And that's what it comes back to this disclosure concept. If it's a high risk early stage, disclose that. Don't prohibit access to that. What's up, Sats fans, and welcome to another episode of Swan Signal. I am your host, Sam Callahan, lead analyst at Swan Bitcoin. If you care about your financial future, you need to check out a couple of our offerings, including Swan IRA and Swan Private. Swan Private is our white glove concierge service where you get a trusted partner on your Bitcoin journey. We offer all kinds of education and research projects, as well as exclusive events to our Swan Private customers. Check it out today at swan.com slash private. Also, Swan IRA. Swan IRA is the best way to gain exposure to real Bitcoin in a tax advantage account, like a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, or rolling over your 401k. So if that interests you, check it out at swan.com slash IRA today. We got another great couple guests for you today discussing Liquid and uh, all the capabilities that it uh, brings about to the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, If you're not familiar with the Liquid Network, then this is the episode for you. Uh, We have Samson Mao, who is the CEO of Jan3. And then we have James Wallace, who is the chair of Digital. Um, So both of these gentlemen are have built on Bitcoin or built on Liquid and also um, have really helped bring it about. And so we have the perfect guest for you today to learn about it. Uh, so welcome, Samson, and welcome, James, to the show. Thank you, Sam. Great to be here. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I was reading about Liquid, and it's been around for uh, several years now. And I always thought it was really fascinating because it basically enables uh, different assets to be issued while utilizing the underlying Bitcoin network, uh, like the decentralization and the security um, and Samson, you were integral to, uh, you know, the creation of the Liquid Network while, when you were over at Blockstream. And so for our listeners, maybe we can just go into some of the basics. You know, what is the Liquid Network and what was your goals when you were kind of building that out? Sure. I was actually integral to Liquid before I joined Blockstream. So, Oh, really? Wow. Uh, the, if we take it way back, the genesis of Liquid, I think, was like 2013 or 14 when um, Greg Maxwell and Adam Back were theorizing about sidechains on Bitcoin Talk. And it was later formalized into uh, a white paper, and that was the, the basis, I think, of Blockstream's uh, founding, which was to build on top of Bitcoin. And the first part of that puzzle was building Liquid, a Bitcoin sidechain. So the concept of a sidechain is that it's just a, uh, a blockchain that's parallel to Bitcoin, but anchored to Bitcoin. So that chain has no other native currency. The native currency is still Bitcoin, but pegged into the sidechain. And by that means you have a, 
the exact same cap as on Bitcoin. So you can only create Bitcoin on Liquid if you lock up Bitcoin on the main chain. So it's always a one-to-one -one relationship. So 21 million Bitcoin, 21 million potential Liquid Bitcoin on Liquid. And it also came with a lot of other innovations too, such as confidential transactions, which allows for you to um, hide the asset type. So if you think of Bitcoin as uh, having one asset, BTC, Liquid can have multiple assets because there's a, a flag for different asset types. So a Liquid Bitcoin is the first one because that is what pays for transaction fees on the network. But then you can issue things like stable coins or digital securities, or a game currency, or anything you want, because those are simply just assets on the network that are, have this other flag to it. And the beautiful thing is, it, it's default confidential. So when you make a transaction of Liquid Bitcoin, you don't really know if someone is sending Liquid Bitcoin, or Tether, USDT, or the INF game currency, or a digital security. So that increases the uh, privacy of Bitcoin in a large factor. So let me see. The other thing with Liquid is um, the, I guess the, um, well, I think I covered it. It's asset issuance uh, and yeah. confidential, confidential transactions, but also the reliable block times too. So Liquid has one minute block times. Um, it's based on block signing, not on mining. So the federation of 60 plus members has a subset of 15 members which serve as functionaries and they're running the uh, the liquid functionary node which is a, a 1u rack server that they keep in their data center and this is signing the blocks of liquid every single minute so you have this reliability that there's no variance there's always one minute for every single block so you can actually use liquid for things like payments at this time but down the road 10 20 years it'll probably be too uh too expensive to do so but for now you can still use liquid for payments and it's quite effective but um yeah the the role i had in liquid at the beginning was really um joining as the one of the first members so i was the coo at btc china which was one of the biggest exchanges back in the day in 2015 and before so i remember meeting with the blockstream guys because they were trying to get people to sign up for liquid and the first members i think were um, us btc china and uh, Bitfinex, and um, I think uh, Streamy, uh, which is uh, now known as Gopax, which was acquired by Binance, and uh, a few other ones. But we were one of the first exchanges that signed up for Liquid. So I think that's my contribution, <laughs> just uh, helping bring <laughs> it into the world. Yeah, very cool. Um, so from my understanding, the Liquid sidechain there's this two-way peg between the Bitcoin main chain and the Liquid side chain. And you either, you know, you peg in or you peg out. If you want to take the Liquid and then get the Bitcoin, you peg out. And that requires one of these like Liquid Federation members, which I believe, you know, Digital James Wallace at the company over there is one of those, you know, Federation members that kind of helps with this mechanism to peg in and peg out. Can you, can you explain um, either one of you guys kind of what it is to be a federation member and what their role is between these like peg in peg out uh with the liquid sidechain sure james you want to take that one or do you want me to continue well yeah please. we're um we're a federation member we're a member of the boards and and, and actually a functionary as well and i think that uh you know samson you, you do a much better job of explaining the peg in peg out because that's a fairly technical thing mm-hmm 
Yeah, so if you think about it, the peg is um, a sort of bridge, and there is a risk there. If you look at uh, the world of DeFi projects and Ethereum and those types of clones, you always see that they get looted. And usually, more often than not, it's uh, people attacking that peg or the bridge that uh, that links one chain to another chain. Uh, the way that Liquid avoids that issue is that there is a peg out authorization list, which gives you a key. So you have to be on this whitelist of individuals or uh, sorry, members that can actually peg out. But the members themselves can offer that as a service to their users. So one example is uh, Sideswap. They do liquid swap services. And if you're using their app, then you can peg out, take your liquid Bitcoin and leave the uh, network and convert back to Bitcoin. And they do that in a trustless manner. So even though there is a dimension of um, permission, you have to go through a member, the members themselves can offer that permissionlessly to their users. So anybody can peg out through Sideswap. They can't really stop you from doing so. But you still have that level of security because no one can just um, attack the peg and drain it. Because if you look at what Liquid is, it's a multi-sig wallet. There's 3,000 something Bitcoin in it right now. Um, and potentially an attacker could drain that. So the authorization system, the PAC system, prevents you from having a bad actor coming in and just withdrawing everything at once. Um, because it's only limited to the whitelisted members. And it's also not difficult to become a member of Liquid. If you think of Li Liquid, it's like it's like a Fediment. Fediment is very popular these days, right? Mm -hmm. And a Fediment is really just you and your friends choosing to make a federation. Liquid is a federation that is made up of um, companies and typically exchanges. Um, and these guys are operating servers in data centers. So you have a certain degree of reliability and uptime that you don't necessarily have with the Fediment Federation, which may be more ad hoc and people running something in their basement. So I think the the similarity is there. They're still both federations. It's just Liquid, when it was created back in the day, it was, it was more pragmatic to make the federation out of um, these robust entities rather than just a collection of people that you know. That makes sense. I mean, um, it just seems like Liquid offers a lot of these these benefits and addition additional functionality uh, from the Bitcoin main chain while taking advantage of some of the best parts of the Bitcoin main chain. So you talked about like fast, faster settlements, reliable block times. You can issue multiple assets, more confidential transactions. Um, and so, James, you guys over at Digital, you, you guys looked at the Liquid network and you said, wow, there's an opportunity here uh, to, to create a business. Um, and so can you just tell the listeners, maybe if they're not familiar about what you're building at Digital, um, what are some of your goals over there? Because I found what you guys are building pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons to mention earlier, what I mentioned about the, uh, the Federation and the boards and the, and the function area was one thing that impressed us Liquid initially was how sophisticated it was. It was a very thoughtful and, and getting to know Samson um, and now, you know, it's clear. And Adam and, and the other uh, people at, at, at Blockstream is very clear. That was kind of obvious, right? That these uh, people were going to create something uh, meticulously and, and, and with sophistication. We are essentially enabling, uh, at digital, enabling Bitcoin capital markets. Uh, trying to take the best of legacy and the best of crypto and, and put them together. So basically, 
you know, early stage digital sort of uh, interesting investments, a lot that were previously accredited only, uh, and giving them the sort of crypto-like qualities such as the visibility, self-custody, 24-7 markets, uh, et cetera. We just uh, basically believe that, you know, investor investor protections and market rules are a necessity. Um, and when we work, you know, I, I am a, a self, uh, everything, self-sovereign ID, self-custody, maximalist. And I, and I really do believe that Bitcoin is uh, the new money. At the same time, we've seen what happens when there are no market rules and when there are no investor protections. And so, you know, lobbying for reduced uh, regulation, something that actually maximizes both those without being intrusive into privacy and uh, otherwise neglecting or enhancing the vulnerabilities of the market is really our objective. So we went all the way to the end. We've been doing this about six years now. We spent the first three years working on a global uh, cross-jurisdictional securities uh, trading infrastructure and acquired several registrations ourselves, uh, made investments in, in, the, in many companies, fintech companies with significant licenses, including exchange licenses, clearing settlement registry licenses, so end-to-end capital markets. And that really is the core of, of digital, uh, this this uh, wholly exclusive, meaning ex- uh, nothing else is required. We rely on no third party to, to issue, list, buy, sell, uh, clear, settle, and register securities. And so we looked at, at, at one point, we created our own, you know, as they say, fit-for-purpose digital securities blockchain, I think somewhat naively, but also out of necessity and, and frustration, having not found a really good, high-quality, permissioned uh, blockchain. And after about two years of development, a friend of ours, Brad Mills, said, you have to look at Liquid Network. We had taken a look before, but it was very sort of thin, as it turns out. We went really deep very quickly based on that uh, referral and very quickly realized that these uh, people behind Liquid Network were, were far more... Um, you know, excited, frankly, they were far more qualified, but far more excited about this project. And we're always going to, they'd already created a better blockchain and we're going to uh, ensure that they were the, the, the best in class permission blockchain. And so, you know, the way that we see moving forward is taking this global cross-jurisdictional retail access, direct retail access, securities framework, um, liquid network really is at the it is the thing that allows for clear issuance, clearing settlement, registry, which is critical of digital securities. Yeah, so you talked about how there's a big problem here. And I, I saw that maybe 90% of people don't have access to capital markets, um, which is crazy when you think about that, because you know access to capital markets is critical to you know accumulating wealth and, and raising money. Um, and so you saw a problem that needed to be solved. And you looked at Liquid and you said, this could actually work. And after you guys did the work of, of getting registrations and kind of working within the regulatory frameworks, you're also utilizing the, the technology of Liquid, if I understand correctly. And so how does Liquid exactly, and, and maybe even Bitcoin more broadly, address that access problem that you guys talk about a lot? Well, what a great question, and it's it's a multi-sided answer, unfortunately. And and while I try to yeah. keep it really high level, uh, and I do like the low-level details, very fun and exciting. I understand that people that, that are looking for just an introduction probably are going to get a bit lost. So I'll try to keep it 
higher, higher end. The reality is, and I, and I think more so than ever in human history, we collectively as uh, people have caught on to pretty much everything is corrupted, you know, and, and Bitcoin was one of the earliest, I think, advancers uh, collectively uh, of that notion that we can't trust. I mean, our parents and our certainly our grandparents trusted government and banks. And maybe back then, I don't know enough to know whether that was maybe smart and maybe was uh, um, was not 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 foolish, right? And certainly now, I think there's evidence everywhere that it is profoundly foolish. So yeah. we start with the, the idea that everything, all financial systems are corrupted. I don't know that there's some cabal. I don't think we need to go to that place. Uh, I think we can just look back and say that the self-interest of the people that have been involved in capital markets and other uh, ancillary parts of the financial system over the last 100 or 200 years have naturally led to a consolidation of power. That's almost you know, sort of uh, a natural consequence of something over time. Uh, players consolidate power. And I think what we found is, is a profoundly unfair system that includes in a built-in exclusion. You know, I come from venture capital. I'm a serial tech entrepreneur. And we all know that accredited status uh, in the U.S. alone, I think it's 97 or 98% of uh, the population is excluded from, frankly, the most interesting and and oftentimes some of the most enriching and rewarding investments. Yeah, globally, it's over 99%. Um, you know, sometimes functionally, simply that there's just zero access or awareness of early stage investments. And if we look at capital markets themselves, North Americans, we are we have problems and, and there are access issues. North Americans, Western Europeans and other developed nations typically have access. Uh, you know, Bitcoin brought together uh, uh, information and insight and awareness that allowed us to realize that there's a, a, an immense number of unbanked people. I think today still 67% of the eighth largest economy in the world, Indonesia, is still unbanked. Just got back from Guatemala not too recently and find very similar uh, situation there. They bank at their tiendas, their little network of, of convenience stores. And I, I originally, I thought that was all that was the matter with the financial world. And, you know, coming from venture capital, which is broken, and the CEO of Digital is a former investment banker, we realized that everything is broken, all uh, aspects of the capital formation life cycle of the issuer. But then the access points for the investor, which means everyone, everyone in the world, in my opinion, is an investment buyer. We have some sellers, some issuers, some businesses, some product uh, manufacturers, but everyone is a buyer and everyone should be given the chance to buy. And that's what it comes back to this disclosure concept. If it's a high risk early stage, disclose that. Don't prohibit access to that. And so we did a bunch of research. And to your question, a uh, roundabout way of getting there, I just thought that the fundamental sort of awareness of just a, an inherent mindless unconscious exclusion that we take for granted uh, the accredited mm -hmm. and also the global um, you know situation and access to investments uh, primarily the equ biggest equities markets are in the US uh, broker dealers are typically jurisdictional focused the Toronto Stock Exchange serves via brokers no direct access uh, typically Canadians NASDAQ typically serves Americans via brokers no direct access and so, again, this is built-in exclusion. How does a rural Malaysian, rural Guatemalan, rural Nigerian get access to Tesla? Um, I didn't even know that was a problem until we really started looking into it. And it turns out that there's almost $2 billion unbrokered. There's over a billion on bank, but there's $2 billion unbrokered. So we need people to have money. Uh, money needs to be used to live, obviously, but 
people should also be able to put it in a place that they can uh, provide returns. And so our one of our initial intentions early on was to solve the accredited issue and getting uh, access to early stage investments. But then we realized that two billion, almost two billion people can't get access to any investment. And so wow. I think Liquid as a, a side chain of Bitcoin, and we do believe that obviously USD is the world reserves currency, and that will be the base of most of the markets for the foreseeable future. But our our view and hope is in ten to twenty years, satoshis are the base of many markets, or at least interchangeable between USD. But we do believe that anyone, anywhere, at any time, should be able to gain access to any market, and that Liquid provides that the infrastructure, capital markets. Again, like uh, you know, TD Ameritrade engaging Nasdaq uh, and the infrastructure in there with the D two C and the registry. That's a six and a half hour a day, five day a week model, which is itself crazy. And it would require a significant uh, risk or investment from a foreign dealer to, to engage that system off hours and then take the financial risk of offering that to um, what they would uh, call unsophisticated, unsophisticated investors. And so there's a problem there that no one's tried to solve. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that no one has tried to solve until recently. And I think Blockchain itself, pardon me, Bitcoin, and then Liquid were natural technological uh, innovations that had to occur before any of that was really possible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting to think about how much capital would be unlocked if we could offer a better solution to these people that are currently excluded from all these capital markets. I mean, it would be an explosion of, of capital being able to invest in all these different investments that right now these people simply don't have access to. And I, I want to bring up, you know, we're talking about assets, different types of assets, stocks, bonds, like real estate, whatever you, you really want, could technically be tokenized on the liquid network. Um, but maybe Samson, you could answer this, like, how does this ultimately drive Bitcoin adoption? Like, how does this kind of this, this issuance that's occurring on the liquid network actually help drive Bitcoin adoption? Um, kind of happening underneath that. Yeah, well, I, I guess it depends on what your priorities are. Like, there are Bitcoiners that think that it, Bitcoin is the only thing, but yeah, I, I don't think you can really discount the fact that there will be companies, and companies will try to raise capital. Right? Capital markets are still going to be with us even in a hyper Bitcoinized world because we'll still have people building companies and doing things that require investments. So. The way I see it is that liquid just is a, a financial layer anchored to Bitcoin. So you can't really um, create uh, stocks on Bitcoin. You could try, but it's not going to work just for the same reason something like Ordinals is doomed to fail because it you're still relying on the settlement network, which uh, is not it's not fast, right? It's yeah, and it, it is going to be very expensive. So there's no way that you could ever build uh, a global stock market using uh, Sats and paying fees to uh, anchor those. Um, one of the people that uh, I work with is uh, one of the companies I work with is called Stoker, and they they originally were building on Ethereum, and they quickly realized that this was a, a dead end because they had to make changes to the registry uh, of investors. And they wanted to also, much like James was talking about, give access to more people to invest in these things. So they want a low investment amount, like $100. But then they were paying $100 in fees 
to update their whitelist on Ethereum. So they quickly gave that up and they started pushing more for Liquid. But it's just an example. Like the, You'd have that same problem just doing it on the base layer of Bitcoin. So you need another layer on top of Bitcoin that can facilitate that. Now, it could be RGB or it could be um, Taro. What, what are they calling it now? Taproot Assets yeah. <laughs> after they got sued. But... Um, you know, it could be something else, but Liquid already exists and it's been running for eight years and it's very robust technology. And I don't believe everyone fully understands how much engineering and cryptography and game theory thinking has gone into Liquid development. But it, it is very, very robust and it is very stable. So it, it is the best bet, I think, for this type of financial layer that people can use to um, create digital assets like stocks and things like that. And um, I think it has a direct impact on Bitcoin as well, because you can uh, create financial products around Bitcoin. And one example is the Blockstream mining note that um, Blockstream launched. And that's just tokenization of Blockstream's hash rate. But it's a very interesting mechanism that you can use to get people investing into Bitcoin mining without the without a lot of the, um, the risk that you would get from, say, um, cloud mining, where you're just paying someone to host the server for you. You actually have the legal protection of a security. Maybe, James, you can talk a bit more about this part, because I think it's really interesting, but bridging mm -hmm. those two worlds, the financial world and the Bitcoin world. Yeah, I can jump in and add um, that on the blockstream mining note, because we, we know a lot about it, because we actually listed it on one of our exchanges. Um, really quick before that, I just want to mention on the Bitcoin part, one of the biggest selling features of Liquid Network was that Bitcoin is its money. Like that sidechain, Bitcoin is the money. And, you know, I've been, a, like I said, a serial tech entrepreneur in digital and its predecessor goes go back about eight years. And we have just seen, um, I think probably most relevant to this idea are the grants that popped up with a lot of these new layer ones and all the money that was flooded into these startups that... Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of them took and now are stuck with legal obligations to these layer ones. I think, and I, 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 well, I think it is in the best interest of the world, the planet and our future that ever, you know, Bitcoin is a commodity with regulatory certainty and everything else is a security. And so if you think about that, the networks themselves, it's possible, this sounds sensational, but it's very possible that regulators themselves, and even at some point nation states, because th these networks are now very powerful, could deem these layer ones to be sanctioned economies. Um, and regardless, with the, the money of the sanctioned economy or that economy being a security, how can you transact that as money? Uh, it's just not possible. So I think that both, both threat sanctioned networks and um, the money being a security it really helped us to, to to realize that liquid was again almost the only you know option for us. The I think Bitcoin the blockchain mining note was a very interesting product that we were able to show you know the world theoretically and 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 most are still unaware of this the 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 fundamental sort of regulatory regime that was used at the core of it was. Uh, somewhere in Europe and allowed them to do a very novel thing that included uh, blockchain. And that was fantastic. And, but it, it had it had some accredited professional sophisticated investor rules. So the primary, I think, was like 250,000 single unit. 
And the secondary, I think, was 1 100th, which was 2,500. And again, coming back to this idea of, well, first of all, liquid can fractionalize, as, as Samson said, to eight decimal points. It has 21 million units. It's basically a mirror of, of, uh, of Bitcoin. And so we just sit there and scratch our heads and think, what a great product by a great company. And, and we, what digital wants to bring to market, way do we describe it, are products that people want by brands that people trust. And inside that, again, just a very, you know, considerable but 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 reasonable amount of investor protections and market rules. And so because of the the legacy infrastructure, capital markets, we we're able to, to stock exchange list on a national stock exchange, a product, which is the ultimate exemption. So global retail access. And we we're able to drop that the price of the big uh, the blockstream mining up to um, I think it was one one hundred thousand. So people could buy two dollars with a with a BMN. That is true oh. democratization and the ability. Um, so accredited only in a European offering, and now it's at $2,500 per, and now it's global retail access. Every country in the world except for OECD band, uh, people are able to access it for $2. And we can fractionalize that. So we fractionalized it on the legacy side using, it's actually called depository interest. Most people know them as American depository receipts. We were able to legacy paper, electronic, fractionalized, and then we used liquid on the digital side to mirror that legacy fractionalization. So, you know, at some point in the very near future, people are going to be able to hold fractional BMN, uh, even though it wasn't actually even issued on a fractional basis, uh, or I think it was issued to two decimal points instead of eight. But yeah, Blockstream Mining was a very exciting project, and it really is at the epicenter. And we, we pursued Blockstream and just said, we have to do this. It just shows all the capabilities of of Liquid Network and all the supporting cast members like Jan3 and Digital and Blockstream. And uh, we have it up and we're beginning to, to develop the buy side. But my hope is that million people hold $5 worth of VMN. Yeah. The, uh, think, yeah. Sorry, the, on, the, the other part is um, really just ensuring that the, the entire financial system can settle with Bitcoin. And doing it, do it in a trust-minimized way. So, it, with Liquid, you can do these atomic swaps where you construct a transaction, just like um, a Bitcoin atomic swap. But because you have these assets there, they uh, they're all on a single chain, so you can basically trade something without having counterparty risk on Liquid. And then the settlement is on Liquid Bitcoin, which is basically Bitcoin, which you can then peg out without having to. Um, go through a clearinghouse or a centralized party. You can just use a peg out key like we talked about before from one of the members. So I think this is going to potentially grow a lot of Bitcoin usage in settlement of these financial products and securities down the road as the ecosystem grows. Yeah, we're talking about um, potentially trillions of dollars with the transactions uh, being denominated in Bitcoin. I mean, that could definitely help drive adoption if, if this thesis plays out. And uh, James, you talked about some of the benefits that Liquid and Bitcoin can bring when you combine it with these capital markets. And you talked about the Blockstream mining note, it could be fractionalized, um, could allow global access, uh, cheaper. Um, you also said that you guys recently listed like NASDAQ, I believe, like the, the top 25. And, and so you have these different assets that are being tokenized. Um, can you talk about maybe why you guys decided to list the NASDAQ and that whole process, but also just in general, why should people get excited about tokenizing 
assets when you compare it to just our normal what what everybody's used to buying stocks on like a you know their traditional brokerage account you know how what's some of the benefits of say like quote unquote tokenizing all these different asset classes i i think what what's really interesting is that what gets media attention is the 1 billion on bank 2 billion on brokered financial mm-hmm. inclusion part and that is very very important i Something that's really, really exciting to me, and I think is as potentially disruptive, is what I alluded to earlier. Venture capital is completely broken. There, there, there is a handful of people moving not only a significant amount of money, but placing capital into early stage companies that then become our reality. These people are literally creating our future reality, and completely, and you know, not your average global citizen demographic. So we are living that demographic, call it what you want. That becomes that reality. We live it and they continue to fun- funnel money. And they also really prey upon, beat down the, the founders and their term sheets, extract value in that way. Um, also abandon them. You know, this 90, 90% uh, failure rate taken as a matter of fact, I think that's absolute nonsense. Um, that is a PC paradigm. We need an issuer paradigm. And the same thing with investment banking. And I call the VCs, Predators and the investment banks, parasites, they are just extracting value, not only from the issuer and the founder all the way along, but ultimately from the ultimate investor. And we all know that a lot of these stocks dump once their major exchange listed, because a lot of the value has been extracted. And they're in cahoots or coordination with the late stage founders and, and late stage uh, uh, executive teams as well. So I think moving that away from VC investment banking models to issuer models. Is the, is the path forward. And, and the point I'm trying to get to, and we actually uh, created a software, a sell-side software where issuers, and the idea is you wake up in the morning after a night at the pub, you're like, oh my God, I think I created a business last night. Call everybody. Are we are we going? Yeah, well, okay, cool. Uh, first thing we should do is figure out how we're going to bring in some money. Your sister got any money? Your dad? We all have friends, uh, family, and fools around. Let's get that in. We want people to, to create an issuer account and issue digital securities on Liquid Network day one. And then what we want them to do, and we want them to, and, and our software does that, you can create a wallet, give it a name, you do your KYC, mom and dad, and they give you $5,000 and then determine, you know, depending on how many shares you're selling, you allocate the shares and all of a sudden you're a real business. It's a real thing. And you have this cap table management software, which we think is a commodity. What we're excited about is, is this idea of helping people form capital better. We talk about cheaper, safer, faster. VC and investment banking are expensive, not safe, and very slow. So mm-hmm. and that, again, that's because it benefits. Uh, we go back to the initial comment of the system's corrupted to benefit a few. We want to benefit many. We want the issuer and the investor to be the center of everything. Everyone comes in, provides services, gets paid. But the issuer, the buyer, and the seller are the ones that are enriched the most. And so this idea of a, um, an education, most founders, based on my experience, when I've invested, I've invested in over 100 early stage companies, typically they spend the first two years surviving. If they're lucky enough to survive, they spend the three years fixing the mistakes they made administratively, legally, and financially in the first two or three years. And a lot of that is because you have to prioritize survival, but it's also because you have very bad guidance, very bad advice. Uh, and you can't afford good advice. So I think from a capital market, capital formation standpoint, a financial security standpoint, stability, 
um, standpoint, early education is critical. So this idea that you issue liquid network digital securities, you get educated on seed A through C, series A through E, you're able to access um, crowdfunding and other sorts of like Reg D uh, fundraising, which is a fairly simple process, but you need some good support to do that on your way to a major IPO and a major exchange listing. That is, is the objective. It's not to provide super rich, super lucky founders with capital markets opportunities. We want to create something. And again, Liquid Network's the only chain that, that we can see that can help us do that. We want to create, if everyone knows the micro lending platform Kiva, where you can lend some money to you know, an entrepreneur, a taxi driver in Jamaica, a go farmer in, in Eastern Europe, whatever, and really enable something there. We see this as a Kiva for capital markets. There's no good reason why we can't do 50,000 IPOs a year when really there's only a couple hundred and only in major jurisdictions. So that issuer-centric focus is going to emerge out of digital. It's not just a buy side investor financial inclusion. It's a financial protection from the issuer side. These are the innovators, the inventors, the value creators. These people just deserve to be protected and guided. And I think it's a self-serve platform really is the only way to do that, issuing directly on Liquid Network with the money being Bitcoin. Um, so to answer the question around NASDAQ is that while we prioritize serving these early stage investors, and while I think that getting capital to the world's best innovators is the way to solve the world's biggest problems, not through big government bureaucracies, I think directing capital to them supporting them and creating amazing products and services that solve our crises and that's they seem to be growing in numbers is the way to fix the planet i think that people need other investments they need digital gold they need like literally like an etf like gld and they want to access some of the bigger names tesla and and, and, uh, and google uh, and even what the the kids the apes love gamestop and AMC, <laughs> etc so we and, and one of our closest partners is Jamie Rogozinski, the founder of Wall Street Bets. And he helped us really understand that we don't want to be trivial, but this idea of a meme stock is, is really important. It helps activate people. It gets them excited. So we have all the major tech stocks on one side, MicroStrategy and like I said, Facebook and so on. We just think that people want uh, some of that. And then we have all this early stage stuff that includes the Blockstream mining note and includes Wall Street Bets' uh, insider portfolio, ticker INSDR, which was known that. in the media before as the Pelosi portfolio. Yeah, the Nancy Pelosi tracker. Yeah. So for $1, <laughs> you could buy this today for $1 anywhere in the world, an investor can get access to Nancy Pelosi's publicly declared stock holdings. And wow. that's the Wall Street Bets product. And so again, playfulness, but a financial intelligence. I don't. We don't know how, but she's a very good investor. Uh, <laughs> she's so, great. <laughs> so one of the best. Yeah, so that we, we went out and made sure that we had, again, things that people really wanted and a very broad basket of, uh, of products. And, you know, we were one of the, the new products who we're standing up right now, and Samson's aware of this, and he's got an extraordinary uh, product as well that's, that's uh, similar, and there's lots of opportunity for this, is uh, a Wall Street Bets branded uh, investment product called El Sal. And, um, and that is, you know, and uh, the ability for anyone in the world to get direct access to sovereign debt, where the current paradigm, again, corruption is that the only place a sovereign nation can go is the IMF or the World Bank, pardon me. And the IMF comes in and, and 
tears apart the country once it defaults on its debt. And Samson knows way more than, than I do on that. We created a product. Um, we found where to buy these bonds. Very difficult, like one or two brokers, minimum $50,000 fund uh, funding. And, and we're buying these up. You can buy them on the exchange and direct retail access. You can vote on a government doing amazing things. And that's exactly what everyone should be able to do, not just World Bank and, and G, G20 nations. Man, there's a lot to unpack there. And I, I love so much of what you just said in terms of basically driving innovation by getting capital in the hands of entrepreneurs. It sounds like you know one of your main goals is basically connecting buyers and connecting issuers, removing some of these bloated costs, these intermediaries to help drive innovation. And I just loved everything you just said. So you, you got me really excited uh, listening to that. And anything that allows a sovereign nation to better raise funds outside of the IMF and World Bank. I mean, that's just how much these countries desperately need that. Uh, that's incredible. Um, so, you know, Samson, you, you were kind of, I, I mean, on your Twitter profile, you said you were the architect of, of these these uh, these bonds that El Salvador have been working with, uh, both the Volcano bonds as well as um, some of these other ones. Can you go into any details about that? I mean, I know maybe you have some um, things you can't talk about, but I'd love to hear any details that you can share with us. Um, yeah, I can talk about the original design. I'm not that involved with their day to day right now. Yeah, yeah. But um, the the reason that uh, I, I picked the liquid network for those bonds was because, like James was saying, you can cut out a lot of the uh, the parasitical leaching of capital raise, like for a bond issuance. So t- typically, with traditional bonds you have to go through the traditional channels and much like a bank, there are tons of fees involved with all these counterparties and uh, organizations that facilitate these bond raises. And also the places you can trade them on are very limited as well. But doing it on liquid, you would allow for direct peer-to-peer trading. Uh, You could have self-custody and that's a restoration of uh, something like a bearer bond, which has been destroyed. Right? People don't want those anymore. The people in power and the legacy system don't want bearer bonds because that means they can't surveil. But you can get that back to some extent with a liquid bond token. Um, but the biggest thing is really just elimination of fees. And you can also do it in a far more efficient manner. So the bonds had a dividend payout, which would be done on liquid as well with uh, USDT. So you can have a smaller investment. You can invest, uh, you know, hundred bucks and get a dividend payout all through the system, which you could not do with a traditional structure because there would just be too much friction and the amounts are too small to pay out, you know, a dollar dividend a year or something like that. So the technology enables a big change in how um, sovereign debt can be raised and how it can be managed and. Uh, how people can interact with it. So I think there's a big paradigm shift that's happening. But again, the big thing is you can get billions and potentially trillions of dollars settling with Bitcoin if you can make this entire system take off where they're issuing on liquid. Yeah. And to touch on one more point that James mentioned earlier, there is clarity here because liquid is not a security. There is no ICO, no token to invest in. It's simply a Bitcoin sidechain and you pay for fees using Bitcoin. So there is a clarity there that is not existing in other frameworks. Like imagine a country um, 
did a bond issuance or even a company did something on Solana. Well, the SEC just said Solana is a security. And like James is saying, most of these things probably are securities too. So it's just corrupt all the way down. And you can't build a new financial system on something that is corrupt. You have to build it on Bitcoin and on Liquid, which allows for financialization of a Bitcoin. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my commentary on uh, yeah. what James was saying there. Yeah, I mean, the the regulatory clarity around Bitcoin is huge. I mean, like you said, I mean, you'd just be trading one corrupt system for another one that's prone to corruption and manipulation, uh, whereas Bitcoin doesn't have any of those risks. And so it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, Samson, you, you talked about the opportunity here. Um, if if the Lightning Net- or Liquid Network starts to take off, um, it has been around for a few years. So what are people missing about it? Like, you know, this this all sounds really fascinating. And you said that there's been so much work on the back end to build this out. Um, and so what are people missing? Like, what's your big, uh, you know, case for why people should be interested in Liquid more, why people should be using Liquid more, um, and what maybe people are missing here? Well, I think um, people are always interested in the shiny new thing. Um, and Liquid has been around for some time, and it grew organically, much as Bitcoin did. Um, the original use case was inter-exchange settlement, and that evolved into digital assets like securities, like like digital products. And I, I think people are just not really aware of all that you can do with Liquid, and they don't appreciate Liquid too, because a lot of Blockstream's R&D uh, is done on Liquid. So SegWit was first deployed in Liquid. Um, mm-hmm. I think Taproot, a lot of that development happened on Liquid as well, or on Elements, the underlying software that powers Liquid. So Liquid is a network. The software itself is called Elements. But um, most people aren't aware, and they just see what is uh, hyped up in the media. And I think a large section of the, the, the industry is still focused on a lot of crypto scams, and they, they're incentivized to do so because you can launch a security and say it's not a security and say it's decentralized instead of building real companies and following existing regulations that are designed to protect investors. So uh, I think um, liquid usage is increasing. We've seen the transactions boost in the past several months. Part of it was to do with congestion on Bitcoin's main chain, but I think it's also more and more services are coming to launch on liquid. Uh, Bolts, uh, Bolts Exchange is one of them. They're doing lightning liquid swaps. And that is another important part of that equation because People often forget that if you want to rebalance a channel or do something with Lightning, you still have to go back to the main chain. Uh, but with these types of swaps that Bolts is providing, you kind of use Liquid as an intermediary, intermediary layer. So the two technologies work very well in tandem and actually offers a big boost in privacy because you're going from a Liquid confidential transactions into Lightning. So it's all confidential. And... Wow. Um, people don't really fully realize that yet, or they don't care about privacy. So I I think it's just a matter of time, but I feel like Liquid is coming into its own because more and more companies are launching products that people can use on Liquid. And it's a bit of a a democratization. People don't get interested in something until it's in an app on their phone and then they can use it. So one piece of FUD that's often thrown out there is that liquid is uh no one uses liquid it's very low transactions but they forget that liquid is a settlement network and it's used by a lot of traders um taking advantage of it for arbitrage opportunities so if there are just a couple hundred liquid transactions first you don't know what those transactions are it could be 
a uh, hundred bitcoins moving around a couple times, but that would be massive in terms of utility and value for the network. But you can't see that because they're confidential. But it, also, the number of transactions does not matter because it's not a payments network. It is still a settlement network. So even one transaction a day moving a um, thousand coins means the network is functioning as it should be. Mm. And I think people just have to get around that. It's uh, almost like the FUD that we've been served for Bitcoin, that Bitcoin has very low throughput. It's being digested in a way and somehow directed at liquid saying, well, you don't have that many transactions, but that's the exact same FUD people are throwing at Bitcoin. And you're missing huh. the point here that there's a lot of things you can do with a few transactions a day. But anyways, the point I'm trying to make is um, there are more and more companies coming out with products that people will use. So what we'll, we'll see going forward um, either it's securities or swaps or um, stable coins on Liquid, we're going to see more and more uptick of usage on Liquid, especially as we get more and more regulatory clarity on all the shitcoin chains that are powering various networks, right? Uh, for us at Jan3, we're launching a new wallet called Aqua. It's actually a, a wallet that I started at Blockstream, but we've taken over. Um, but one of the things is it's a Bitcoin and stablecoin wallet. So you have Bitcoin, Liquid and Lightning as a layer two wallet, and then you have Tether or USDT, which is another wallet in the interface. And it can do this because it's a Bitcoin and Liquid wallet. And what we're hoping is to get a lot of the Tether volume off of Tron and Ethereum and into Liquid by pushing it aggressively in Latin America, because those markets already use um, Tether and USDT a great deal. But there is no alternative to them to easily access USDT on Liquid. And that's what we're hoping to change. If you don't mind, Sam, I'd love to add really quick to, to what Samson said. Um, and it, it's funny because I, I just thought about this for the first time. And I think it helps me to explain some of the the reason for what people deter, or, you know, say is a lack of traction. I think to Samson's point, that's largely incorrect. But um, why hasn't it, you know, blown up overnight? Well, I mean, look at Soul too, as well. Look at all the network outages. I mean, this software is sophisticated. Like I said, it is built really, really well, and it's built to 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 last. It's built to be stable. It's built to be secure, and it's not thrown up overnight with some pre mined junk coin and sold to enrich uh, the founder and never do anything. And I mean, it is just a real piece of software. And again, yeah. Bitcoin's taken thirteen and a half years to get to today, and I think there's a a reason to say we haven't caught and gone far enough. We we don't have enough products to go to market. Grandma Grandpa still can't use it. So if that's the case, four years or eight years or two and a half, however you you decide, you know, to whatever you decide is liquid's lifespan. It's still very very young compared to Bitcoin. And and here's to me the the most critical component. Bitcoin really is a B 2 C that requires some intermediary services in terms of getting it, holding it. How do I? And that's actually where the attack vector the, this is where you know, as we see with custodial uh, crypto exchanges fall apart, and and the the investor, the the retail user uh, holding the, the bag, uh, that's the problem. Is and, and and built properly, you know, Liquid really is a B to B to B to C, where you know you need an issuer. So you have a, a side chain that where an issuer needs to access. They really need the guidance of, of another layer to help them issue, administer, move. Uh, depending on what the use is, and 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 Samson mentioned a ton of use cases for it, but we need that intermediary to 
what is kind of an intermediary to a customer. So you have liquid, uh, third layer provider for whatever that issuer wants, the issuer, and then the user, whether that's a private market sort of user or holder of a private security or someone that's actually trading on uh, an exchange. It's a long distance. And so I think building in that, that middle portion of enterprise software builders dealing with businesses, then finally the user, you know, it's not surprising that it, it's taken this long. I do think that people, one of the things, and, and giants at, at Liquid and the people in the Federation, extraordinary people building extraordinary things that will actually shift permission, the permission world, where we do need to know the issue is and there needs to be some some controls in place. I think one of the things that digital bet on was that to animate Liquid Network, you needed an actual real capital markets infrastructure, meaning licensed, registered entities with actual professionals and college and university degrees, people that engage with the regulator, engage with the monetary authority, engage with the ministers of finance, people that are actually um, operators within capital markets and not just a pre-mind, you know, and all that stuff that, that comes along with that. That is that is a lot of people, smart people, low risk tolerance with a high risk suggestion uh, that you have to get in line. You have to get, uh, you know, have to understand it, have to buy into it. And so I think that we're going to see, um, my view is that 2023, near the end of it, we're going to see real liquid network transaction volumes emerge. We know of a couple multi-billion dollar issuances from some brands that people know really, really well. And those are going to start to creep their way into exchanges. Uh, and as Samson said, even some peer-to-peer swap platforms like Sideswap, that that drip, drip, drip flood scenario that we see in all other technologies, that emerging exponential sort of as we move into the detectable exponential leap on that curve. I personally, and I've been saying digital securities five years ago when we first started talking, I was like, it's n- we are years away. I'm not someone that's just joined and been like, yeah, this year. I think we're going to mm-hmm. see it at the end of 2023. And I think 2024, things are just going to take off because the infrastructure is finally there. And that was the hard part. Yeah, I just want to add to that, like, because Liquid is not a security, there is no ICO, there is no marketing budget like some of those projects out there that have raised (laughs) hundreds of millions of dollars to create artificial demand, right? They raise the money by selling an unregistered security, then they give give out grants, have hackathons with big outlandish prizes. There's none of that. All the growth on Liquid is, as James is saying, smart people that see the potential, want to build on Bitcoin actually doing something and growing their services organically as well. So it's organic on top of organic, not fake on top of fake, like the rest of the ecosystem. And that means it's going to take time because you can't fake organic growth. It's got to happen naturally. And much like Bitcoin, that is a stronger growth mechanism than the fake stuff. Um, I wanted to add one more thing too. Just I was thinking um, what uh, James was talking about, the Wall Street bets guys. I think Investors and communities like that are going to realize that this is the future. Uh, Things that digital is building, those assets are what they should be looking towards because everything else is a rigged game. If you're playing on the traditional legacy system, trading traditional stocks, it's completely rigged. They can shut it off. They can 
they can print more of it, sell more than they have. They can do all sorts of things. But with these securities, they're verifiable. You know how much someone is issued. Uh, they're trading 24-7. They cannot shut down the market at any point. So it's a far superior model. And I think the that pivotal moment of Wall Street bets and GameStop is a defining moment at which the ordinary retail investors understand, you know, I can't really win at a rigged game. The playing field has to be level. And this is also going to power that shift into the stuff that James is building on top of liquid. Yeah, we, ha we have uh, anti-predatory uh, protocols uh, at a couple of our exchanges as SRO, self-regulating uh, regulatory organizations. There's an ability to make a better model within the existing regulation. And so what Samson points out is so critical. I mean, regulation, there's there's an idea like money that it's bad. And I think that there's a good argument that all current regulation is not productive and is not actually in line with the mandate of protecting investors. I think that that's a very easy argument to make. The idea that we throw it all out, we have no regulation also, I don't think is the smart path either. I think a collective, the participants and the network secure the network. We have an algorithm, an oracle that applies, uh, you know, network rules is the is the the path that we want to head head along. And I think, you know, regulators. I think we sat down with six or seven from various countries, and they all acknowledge, hey, if that would work better than human intervention. Then we would we would naturally gravitate toward that. We'll see if they do that. But what's insane is that the existing capital markets are. When we talk about corruption, I love the idea of corruption because that's like an honesty and also an engineering. So it's, it's corrupted from an integrity, you know, stamp and integrity also is a structural integrity and also the honesty. Both are corrupted wholly on an integrity basis on both sides. Both the honesty and the engineering are wholly corrupted. When you look at what Jamie and, and Wall Street Bets were able to do and bringing that to light, where it made it to Congress. And the congresswoman and man said, why did Robin Hood, did you remove the buy button? How can you take an entire side of this war out of the war? One company. Uh, and there was no good reason for that. Well, they talked about liquidity and how they had to pay back and, th and that whole thing of like, oh, how are you trading billions of dollars and only posting two to five percent of that? Which blockchain, DVP, this is real time gross settlement stuff. So there can't be a loser, a Lehman Brothers, that just says, well, we didn't, we bet it all and we have no money. And now who pays for that? Taxpayer, the retail investor, et cetera. So I think that this idea, and what also was exposed was naked short selling, um, not having to take the opposite position on it to resell it. There was uh, GameStop and others as well, 125 to 150% of the shares sold short. Uh, how is that even possible? Well, um, it's actually, no one's gone to jail, just like the 2008 mess. No one went to, no bankers went to jail. Iceland's the only country that likes to do that, I guess. A bunch of people <laughs> should have gone to jail, probably. But the reality, and this is the most upsetting part, is that we don't even know that they actually broke the rule. We don't know that they broke the law. They broke some rules. Did they break the law? Not sure. How can you sell 150% of the shares? How is that even possible? Uh, the reality is, is that we, I don't know how that's ethically possible. I think it's ethically impossible. I don't even know how it's regulatorily or legally possible. But the reality is, is that the broker engages the user via terms of service. And we all know we just clicked yes to that. And it's a list, 37 pages that tell them all the ways they're going to take advantage of you. One of them is your long position can be someone else's short position. And we are going to sell that to your 
uh, again, the opposite side of the war. And that's what GameStop saga became, an actual war against the hedgies. And the brokers, the system allowed the hedgies, aside from payment for order flow and them knowing exactly the positions people were taking, they were able to maximize their short position with their multi-billions of dollars and basically collect, collapse the buy side support. And that is just not, um, in this day and age, shocking that it exists. But as, as, uh, as Samson said, we have to be grateful that we actually got to the point where this came to the surface. This has been going on for a couple hundred years since they were trading shares under the trees in Manhattan. Now we know that this is organized corruption, organized crime, effectively. And uh, again, to Samson's point, liquid network and the infrastructure of Bitcoiners that believe in fairness are going to recreate capital markets in a way where that is simply not possible. Self-custody, self-sovereign ID are components of that for sure. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, a more fair, more transparent capital market sounds good to me. An infrastructure that can't be manipulated and co-opted and where the winners and losers can't be picked. Uh, that sounds good to me. Um, but, you know, we're out of time, guys. I mean, I learned so much in this conversation about liquid, about digital. Um, if there's any parting comments you guys have, like, where do you want listeners to go to to learn more about what you guys are building right now? Uh, Samson, if you want to talk about what you're building at Jan 3 a little bit, um, let's just finish up with like a, a minute or two, just where you guys can point people to learn more about your work. Let's start with James and then and then go to Samson. Uh, in the show notes or anywhere we can put a link, I'm going to put a link to, we're going to put a link to uh, a digital web property where you can get a $10 gift card. And what I'm begging you to do is to take that $10, buy one BMN at $2, two $1 inside Wall Street Bets Insider and buy an AMC share uh, on NASDAQ. And, and just know that that is Bitcoin capital markets. So these are capital markets in a safe environment. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really want people to to participate to get involved yeah um for me if you're interested in a, a wallet that supports bitcoin and stable coins and of course layer two um you can follow us at jan3 for now and you'll find out when it's launching hopefully in the next two months or so uh, our twitter handles jan3com and we're also on noster Great. Well, we'll make sure to put those in the in the show notes. And uh, just thanks for coming on the show, guys. Once again, learned a lot. Um, and it seems like what you guys are building will not only do wonders for financial inclusion and capital markets, but also just for Bitcoin's adoption as well. So thank you for coming on and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Sam. If you care about your financial future, you need to check out a couple of our offerings, including Swan IRA and Swan Private. Swan Private is our white glove concierge service where you get a trusted partner on your Bitcoin journey. We offer all kinds of education and research projects as well as exclusive events to our Swan Private customers. Check it out today at swan.com slash private. Also, Swan IRA. Swan IRA is the best way to gain exposure to real Bitcoin in a tax advantage account like a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, or rolling over your 401k. So if that interests you, check it out at swan.com slash IRA today.